Hello and welcome science enthusiasts to Science Inscripted. I'm Sophie Gowan, your host, and today I'll be joined by my stepmom, Jane, who will be listening to me presenting my topic while also asking any questions he has. How are you doing today, Jane? Good, thank you, Sophie. Looking forward to it. We both have an interest in science, and I'm looking forward to really questioning you on some things about our subject today. Awesome. So this subject today has a bit of a story behind it, not going to lie. So basically, the other day, I was sitting doing some research for this podcast, actually, and Jane was boiling some tea. Now, I was a little confused because it was past your bedtime, and who the hell boils tea at, like, 9.30 at night? It was really confusing. So, Jane, do you want to explain what you were doing? I was making a magnesium drink. Yes. So, when I heard that, I was... Let's just say I was trying not to laugh, because I'm a little skeptical about supplements, and Jane kind of challenged me. She told me to do a little research into it, so this is what we're doing today. I did a little research... And today, our topic is magnesium. So, starting off, magnesium is obviously, as you might have guessed, and especially because you're science enthusiasts if you're listening to this podcast, it's an element. Now, magnesium has a 2 plus charge ion whenever it forms ionic compounds, or usually in its oxidation state will be 2 plus charge. It's a cofactor in more than 300 enzyme systems in the body, and it's primarily required for enzymatic production or regulation. So, as you might have guessed, today we're going to be talking more about the enzymatic functions in the body. Magnesium has a really big, important factor and, let's say, usage outside of medical practices and outside of the human body, but because we're talking about magnesium supplements, today we're going to be focusing on the body. So, magnesium, its main thing is that it acts, as I've already said, as a cofactor in enzymatic um, systems and is required for enzymatic production and the energy production. Now, how it does this, magnesium, one of its main things is that it acts as a counterion for ATP and nucleic acids. Now, a counterion is an ion that accompanies an ionic species in order to maintain electric neutrality and stabilizing the reaction. This stabilizes nucleotides, which have an overall negative charge due to protonation and deprotonation, which we won't get into in this episode, and we can go into further when we talk about nucleic acids. Now, the biggest thing about magnesium, now you need to remember this. Mm -hmm. Magnesium binds to ATP to form an ATP-magnesium complex to make ATP biologically functionable. Now, you might be wondering what ATP is. ATP is adenosine triphosphate. It's also the energy currency for our cell and for our whole entire body. Now you might be thinking, what about glucose? What about energy? We all know this. Eat food, you get energy. Well, ATP is made from the decomposition of glucose in a process called cellular respiration, which has glycolysis and the Krebs cycle and oxidative phosphorylation, which we will all talk about in its own episode because that is a huge thing, which I'm sure Jane doesn't want to hear about right now. (laughs) So how this is involved with magnesium, because that's our main topic. Magnesium is required for enzymatic activities and is needed in the mitochondria where cellular respiration takes place, basically the powerhouse of your cell, to sustain cellular function and viability. So, as I've just mentioned, the Krebs cycle, it's also involved in cellular respiration. It's one of the parts of it. Krebs cycle starts off with 
acetyl-CoA gets broken down from one of the pyruvates. The acetyl-CoA goes in the system, produces oxalyl, oxo, I can never pronounce that, oxaloacetate. And in that cycle, it produces NADPH and ATP. Those are used for further production of energy down the line. It's not important right now. Basically, what you need to know is that those enzymes that help go with this whole cycle cannot be used unless they have magnesium. Magnesium is their regulator. So. Wow, that's pretty important then. Yeah, it is. I told you. Magnesium is pretty important. So now, don't tell me that that's why you need supplements. What were you going to say? Well, how do you produce magnesium in your body without taking it? So currently, we do not produce magnesium. Most of our things are, most of our magnesium comes from our diet. However, we're going to, we're going to see if we need supplements or not, but it comes from our diet. So the other thing about magnesium, it's considered the main intracellular antigen or antagonist, sorry. Antigen is a different thing entirely of calcium. Now we know that calcium is really important. We always hear, eat your calcium, drink your milk, Mm -hmm. but we don't know why. Or at least a lot of us don't. Calcium is a main player in the nervous system. Basically what happens is that whenever you have a nerve signal, um, the way it's transmitted is through depolarization of the cell membrane of the nerve. Now this is required from, let's say, you have a cell receptor, usually a neurotransmitter, binds to the neurotransmitter receptor sites, then those open sodium channels. Now we'll talk about this further in a neuroplasticity or anything that comes with um, neurogenics and we'll talk about that in a different episode. But basically what you got to know is that sodium enters the cell, depolarizes the cell membrane, sends a signal down the axon and then at the end of the axon terminal where where the neuron is going to bind to another neuron and send that cell, it's going to take in a lot of calcium. That calcium is the signal for it to release its own neurotransmitters. So, in essence, calcium is really needed by neurons to help transmit a signal. Now, this signal can be to the muscles to contract, and that helps you walk or move or stand or talk. It helps you do all the things you do with your muscles. It can also be regular regulatory things like helping your heart keep pumping. It's very important in your muscles and for sending nerve signals synapses so where's the connection between calcium and magnesium that's where i'm about to get to right now okay so as we said magnesium acts as the counter ion basically or the antagonist to calcium channels now how it does this is that it's a calcium channel blocker it inhibits the transport of calcium into the inner magnesium into the inner mitochondria and other membranes so it blocks the calcium channels so calcium can't come into the cell and how it does is because they have a similar charge, so they're both 2+, plus, which means that it kind of acts as a competitive inhibitor, which means that when you take a magnesium, it kind of competes with calcium, so less calcium is getting in, which means that that signal cannot be sent, and there's also other things that um, calcium does that magnesium um, acts as an antagonist for. So, circling back to ATP. ATP synase is a part of your mitochondrial intermembrane that is used in oxidative phosphorylation. Now, oxidative phosphorylation is part of cellular respiration. It's the part that generates the majority of your ATP. Magnesium 
if any of you know what ATP synthase is, it's basically the whole thing of, a of oxidative phosphorylation is taking energy from electrons that were taken from the Krebs cycle and all the carbons that we got from pyruvate and glucose. And it's those electron carriers that got those electrons from the, ox the oxidation of all those carbon molecules, shuttle it over to the intermembrane of the mitochondria. Those electron carrier molecules give their electrons to the electron transport chain pumps across hydrogen ions. Now those hydrogen ions, because there's an accumulation of hydrogen ions that are being pumped out across the cell membrane, they want to come back in because that's where this concentration is. They go from a higher to a lower concentration. Now how they do this is that they come back through ATP synthase. Now this coming back through ATP synthase is what makes ATP. It uses that energy from hydrogen going down its concentration gradient to make ATP from ADP and a phosphoric group. So, the only way it can do this though, is if magnesium binds to ATP synthase. ATP synthase cannot work unless magnesium binds to it. Therefore, it activates ATP synthase. So we've already said that magnesium binds to ATP, makes it biologically active. We've said that it binds to ATP synthase to make, allow that to be active. So. Magnesium is playing a huge role in the mitochondria and cellular respiration. So if we didn't have magnesium, we wouldn't be able to produce a lot of our energy. So we already can see how magnesium is extremely, extremely important. So question or something that you might want to answer in the to come is one of the reasons that I go back to the tea that I was taking was because I, I was taking magnesium because it says it calms you down. Mm -hmm. but you're all talking about producing energy and I'm like oh my god this is the magnesium is making me go faster so mm -hmm. we need to look at that when you talk about what the magnesium is doing to my body yes so one reason that I can postulate that they would say that magnesium calms you down is that magnesium acts as a calcium agonist now I've already said that calcium helps transmit nerve signals those nerve signals are what are making you active if you have a lot of neurons firing, they're going off, that's when you're in your, usually in your sympathetic state or just in a resting state. Your neurons are pretty busy dudes. But whenever your neurons are firing off crazy, you're getting a lot of stimulus. That stimulus will make you more active and make, particularly if it's in your brain, but I mean, think about it. If you're having a lot of nerve signals that are getting sent to your muscles, that's when you're moving. They can be sending to getting you to tense your muscles, to constrict your muscles. Basically, Magnesium acts as a counterbalance for calcium, which in a, its own way stops those nerve signals. It doesn't stop them completely, but it decreases them. That is how it can act as a count as like a calming down agent. But we haven't proved this yet because right. I, I'm still skeptical. <laughs> Let it be known. But we also haven't said why we need to do if we don't need to take more than what we get from what we do from eating regular food. Sure, sure, sure. So basically. I want to keep going a little bit more into like what calcium does and then I'll further get into what's going to happen when you don't, how you get it and what you're like going to happen when you don't. So furthermore, another thing about calcium. Calcium has a very big role in cell apoptosis. Apoptosis is programmed cell death. Basically, when you have an influx of calcium, that's when you have cell death, mostly. There's a lot of different things, um, but... An influx of 
calcium can really, really lead to apoptosis most of the time. So magnesium helps to kind of delay that or infringe upon that action. So, basically. When they talk about calcium in deposits in your veins and arteries, is that what you're talking about? It will stop that? So that's a little different. So calcium deposits in the blood are from calcification. That's an entirely different thing. So don't worry about that. But okay. calcium will be in when it influxes into the cells. That's in your plasma. That's in your blood. That's a little different from what we're hearing talking about here. But so we're going to talk about the total body content of magnesium. It's about 20 millimoles um, in fat-free tissue. It's about 92 times less than calcium. So it's very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, about 99% or sorry, 49% is located in the bones. That's where we store our, um, it's located in the bones, muscles, and soft tissue. That's where we store our magnesium. 50 to 60% resides in surface um, substrates um, of mineral composed of bone, and it, but it decreases with age. Oh, let's see. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She's like, aha, that's why I need magnesium <laughs> sulfates. But no, we're going to see. We're going to see. So, going back. Um, nerve conduction. It acts as a calcium. So, we got nerve conduction. It acts as a calcium channel blocker, decreases nerve cell activity. It can block because it has a higher, electro- it has a higher electronegativity and exerts a greater pull on water. This can help block its trans- calcium transduction into the cell. Decreases nerve activity. Muscle contraction. Muscle contraction, basically, magnesium stimulates calcium reuptake by calcium-activated ATPase on the sarcoplasmic reticulum. Those are a lot of words. Yes, a lot of words. Say that in (laughs) non-scientific language. (laughs) So basically, calcium gets pushed out of cells, Mm -hmm. taken into neurons. That's when it triggers a signal, because the calcium outflux gets, um, normally in muscle cells, what happens is that the calcium comes out, it binds to receptors, and influxes a nerve cell. So, when you have calcium reuptake, that calcium is no longer binding to receptors, so it can no longer activate the cells. So, going on to what you wanted, magnesium consumption. Yes. Yay. So, we have about 310 milligrams um, for women daily 400 to 420 milligrams um milliparts per gram for men now a lot of what we accounts for our calcium every for our magnesium sorry um is water it accounts for about 10 percent of our intake just get, water you just get it from water just water wow yeah 10 percent of our intake um chlorophyll so that green. what do you think that is yeah you thought green good job <laughs> that's green it's green it's inside our vegetables um green leafy vegetables are a major source of, chlor- of magnesium um and why this is we're not going to get into plants today but basically magnesium acts as the center ion for um chloroplast helps with photosynthesis so unfortunately i didn't want to get into the plants today because we're talking about magnesium but that's Ooh, actually but very let's do that as a future subject i love photosynthesis oh she loves photosynthesis guys okay we're doing photosynthesis <laughs> apparently <laughs> i do add that I to the do, list i do remember that from my uh... she does remember that that's a surprise okay. that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're welcome okay so next thing is nuts seeds unprocessed cereals unprocessed being a key word here legumes fruits um I can read 
yes, dietary intake uh, in the world is actually decreasing due to something I said previously. Focus on processing. Yeah. Processing gets rid of a lot of the magnesium. So the... Fresh fruit and vegetables. Yes, so the dietary intake of of magnesium is actually decreasing in the modern world, which is a little bit of a bad thing because, as we said, magnesium is very important. Very, very important. So, how do we maintain homeostasis? Jane, do you remember what homeostasis is? Yes. What is homeostasis? Define it for us. Well, it's just the levels. She said it's the levels. <laughs> what do you mean by the levels? The levels between the cells and the um, blood. Okay, so I have no idea what she's talking about. No. So homeostasis, think of the word, homo. Yeah. Means same. Same. Level. Stasis <laughs> means... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Stasis means like situation. Kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure what stasis means. I didn't take Latin. So <laughs> she's thinking, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Minor blip. Okay. Homeostasis is the regulation of yeah. basically balance. No, not between your blood and whatever you said. <laughs> no. So homeostasis is our, the process of maintaining balance. It's our body's ability to adapt to change. So it's ma- the magne- we know what homeostasis is now. Magnesium homeostasis. It's yeah. maintained largely by the intestine, kidneys, and bones. We already said that the bones are the major storage place for magnesium. So too much magnesium... Well, mostly it gets filtered out by the kidney, but some of it gets stored. So, the kidney, those are the major things. They are very, very good at basically regulating magnesium levels by too much, pee it out. Too little, retain it. So, magnesium is stored in the gut, is absorbed, sorry, in the gut, stored in bone material, and excess in pee and poo. Pretty much. Um, it's mainly absorbed in the small intestine, although some is taken up in the large, but mostly the small intestine. Um, it goes through passive paracellular mechanism through an electrochemical gradient. That's how it gets absorbed. Um, and it's regulatory tract by transcellular transport pot- um, potential proteins and channels. So. So I remember my dad saying this to me once because he was a physicist about... Why physiologist you, well yeah physiologist but he um he said why are you taking vitamin c because you're just going to pee it out exactly yes a lot of things it's funny that's why i'm skeptical of supplements because our kidneys which we are definitely doing an episode on the kidneys because they are awesome nephrology is and i know dope. a lot about kidneys. she knows a lot about the kidneys guys be scared <laughs> so basically her dad was a studier of renal physiology he was so um basically I'm skeptical because your kidneys pee out a lot of shit. Basically, anything that you take in, too much, too little, calcium. Kidneys will mag. Well, I just said calcium and magnesium. So, is there a small possibility that if you do take magnesium as a supplement in your diet, it's going to affect any of your levels? You're jumping up ahead. We haven't oh, gone there yet. Stop being so eager. <laughs> okay. So. Okay, where was I? Right, okay. Of the amount consumed... You told us how it was yes. absorbed. Yeah. So, of the amount consumed, 24 to 26% is absorbed and the rest is eliminated. 24 to 26%. So, almost all is consumed in um, the intestine, but the amount consumed is not proportional to the amount that is intaken. But it is dependent on how much magnesium you have in your body. 
So the amount you intake, if you take like tons of magnesium pills, it ain't gonna do nothing. Your, your kidney will just pee it out. However, if you are magnesium deficient, it will absorb more. It will absorb more. If you're magnesium deficient, starting off, this is one of the things that we're gonna look at when we talk about magnesium supplements. Are you deficient or are you healthy and do you have a regular amount? That'll determine how much you pee out. So, um, magnesium follows, which is really interesting actually. I, when I was reading this, I was like, are you sure about that? But magnesium follows a circadian rhythm of pee. You pee out and excrete it on mostly at night. It follows a circadian rhythm, pretty cool. Wow. So, um, and obviously you're not, maybe not peeing at this time, but you're, it'll travel out of your kidneys and get, um, no, won't be absorbed in your proximal or your distal convoluted tubule. It'll just get excreted. So that means it's going to your urinary bladder and through your urethra, all that stuff. That doesn't mean you're necessarily peeing in the night. So don't be worried. Now, let's see. Yeah, because we don't need that in addition to all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, now, we're going to talk about pathophysiology. This is what can go wrong. Hypomagnesemia. When you have too much, or no, sorry, that's too little. Too little, it's very common in hospital patients. Mostly because they're not getting the same, um, they're on a standard solute drip, they're not getting the same... Um, exposure to everything that they do they're in a very closed off environment so it may be due to an increased magnesium excretion such as in diabetes mellitus um, renal tubular disorder hypercalcemia calcium comes back in mm -hmm. or other diuretic diseases or if you have poor nutrition so those are the causes of hypomagnesia magnesemia it's a big word the clinical signs can you guess take magnesium no, can you guess what the clinical signs? Okay. What do you mean? I, I'm what sorry, are the signs of having of having hypomagnesemia? So too little magnesium. What is what's the question? Sorry. So what are the signs? Like the oh, symptoms. Oh, the signs. Uh, fatigue. That's uh, like a symptom for everything. I'm joking. Uh, She's right. It's fatigue. There's fatigue, tremor, agitation, muscle muscle twitching, cramps, seizures, probable comas. Only probable and abnormal heartbeats. Now we can already know and insin like insinuate that this is because of cal of magnesium's role in calcium antagonist, as well as its role in ATP production. So it's there's also an imbalance of electrolytes because magnesium. This if you have any change in your any of your electrolytes, which are the ions in your cells in your blood, uh, basically in the foods of your body. If you have any, any any imbalance, it'll generally lead to an imbalance in another thing. Like, you know when you walk on a broken toe, you favor the other leg, yeah. and your other leg ends up getting hurt? Yeah, so basically similar to that. I will mention that one of the reasons that I did look at magnesium was because I was suffering from cramps in the night and also uh, when I was swimming in the morning. So that was the other thing that I looked at. So. Okay, so she's trying to justify herself. Yes. So we're getting well. That's. But I don't have a deficiency in it. She does not have a deficiency in it, guys. So what do we think she's going to be doing with that magnesium that she's taking it? Okay, I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm still going to be peeing it out. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Will she be buying these things anymore? That is Probably. the question. Yeah. Okay. Hypermagnesemia. Too much magnesium. Right. Usually from know. chronic kidney disease. So any kidney dysfunction. Can't pee it out. It also may be caused by excessive oral administration of magnesium salts 
or magnesium-containing drugs, such as laxatives and antiacids. So, too many magnesium supplements. You gotta pee a little bit, a little bit more. Right. Okay. Clinical signs. May be associated with hypertension, cutaneous um, flushes, so flushes to the skin, nausea and vomiting, neurotransmitter dysfunction, so drowsiness and respiratory depression, sometimes a coma, bradycardia, heart block, arrhythmias, and atrial fibrillation. Some of the good things. No, but I don't think I'm taking enough to cause that. She never knows. <laughs> so, treatment. Hypomagnesia. Hypomagnesemia. Sorry, these words are big. Oral administration or intravenous. Basically, yes. get more magnesium. Hypermagnesemia. Discontinuation of any magnesium administration. Um, and hemostasis. That's extreme. Now we're going to look at supplements. We're nearing the home stretch, guys. You've listened to me talk for a little bit too long. We're nearing the substrates. This is the end. It's coming. It's coming. So, supplements. One study I read said that it lowered blood pressure at best to only a small extent. The meta-analysis of 12 clinical trials found that magnesium supplementation for 8 to 26 weeks in 545 hypertensive patients resulted in only 2.2 millimeters of mercury blood pressure decrease in diastolic. 2.2. Jane, what is your blood pressure? It's pretty good. What is it? I don't know right now. She doesn't know. She's being okay. So basically, regular blood pressure. It's very regular. 120 yeah. over 80. I was about Two, 124 over 75 last yes. time. So 124 over 75 is Jane's regular blood pressure. That is within the realms of normal by about, so five decrease of diastole and four increase of systole. Now we're talking about a 2.2. That's not going to do nothing, really. I mean, I guess if you want for, like, rate rankings, if you're trying to, like, rank yourself in blood pressure, you might get a little bit over your friends. But that's not really going to do much for hypertensive patients, will it? So, it said that had, um, so basically, their conclusions to this trial, as quoted by the FDA, where evidence is inconsistent and inconclusive. Now, we know the FDA can be sticklers, but that's pretty inconclusive and inconsistent okay moving on a cohort of 14,232 aged 45 to 64 years of age with 12 years of follow-up with the highest quartile they found that the highest quartile of serum magnesium had a 38% reduced risk of sudden cardiac um sudden cardiac death so Compared with individuals in the lowest quartile. So basically, this is actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. People with the highest quartile, highest amount of magnesium um, in their blood, had a 38% reduced risk of sudden cardiac death. That's actually pretty big. Now, in type 2 diabetes, a meta-analysis of seven studies, including 286,668 patients in 10,912 cases of diabetes from over 6 to 17 years, found that 100 millimeters, milligrams sorry, of day increase in mercury decreased risk of diabetes by statistically significant 15%. In another study, in an inverse association found between magnesium intake and risk of type 2 diabetes, but only statistically significant in individuals who were overweight, but not in individuals with normal weight. So as we can tell, magnesium works really well, especially supplements, in people who don't have enough magnesium or are out of health conditions. 
So, we're going to talk about osteoporosis. Now, magnesium is, is, magnesium is involved in bone formation and the activities of osteoblasts and osteoclasts. Now, osteoblasts build up the bone, osteoclasts break down the bone. So those are really good to be regulated because we don't want, they help with growth and they can, basically when you get older, we're not going to go into that. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Too much. That's a different episode. I don't so, have osteoporosis. She doesn't have osteoporosis. <laughs> we don't care about that. I've tried. I've been tested. She's been tested. All good. All, all good. good. All good. We're glad to hear it. Good all job. Right. I, I hear you. I don't need to take the magnesium. Okay, but I got to tell you more about why I'm right. <laughs> I, I've got it. <laughs> so, and I'm going to be peeing all night. What? Let's break it here. We'll come back for more later. <laughs> okay. We've been told. Guys, basically, <laughs> thank you for joining us on Magnesium. I'm glad. I just want to leave you this one last, basically the whole entire conclusion. No clear proof that Magnesium supplements provide any benefit to healthy adults who aren't deficient. If you're deficient, talk to your doctor. Maybe get put on a Magnesium supplement. And if you're not, talk to your doctor again. I am not a doctor. I'm barely a student. So... <laughs> Do not take any of my advice. As you can tell, I am not the most cohesive or coherent person. So, maybe don't take my advice. However, I will say, there is no clear proof that magnesium supplements provide any benefit to healthy adults who aren't deficient. Thank you for joining me, and have a lovely night. Goodbye, science enthusiasts.